basically design is a visual language. So it's as a designer, I know that this mahogany is going to make you feel luxurious and it's going to make you feel wealthy. And, you know, maybe this like casual linen is going to make you feel like you are, you know, on the beach in Greece. And so everything kind of has an emotional attachment to it. And so kind of understanding what that means and how to manipulate all of that to um, create an experience for someone. Um, it's, it's what we study. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a fire truck driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? My name is Blake Fletcher, and this is the Half Hour Intern Podcast, where we explore the interesting paths people take in life. In today's episode, I speak with Mackenzie Collier, who is an interior designer in Phoenix, Arizona. Mackenzie has designed some absolutely amazing homes and office buildings and anything you can think of here in Arizona, and is an amazing person to have on the show to talk about interior design. Um, because she has a degree in psychology prior to learning all about interior design and getting a degree in interior design. So um, something I did not know about interior design is, spoiler alert, you'll learn this in the interview, that it's not just decorating. It's not It's not just like as easy and simple as it sounds like, oh, I'm just going to design this place. There's so much more that goes into it. And I can't imagine now being an interior designer without having a psychology degree. There's so much of kind of getting in the head of the person that you are designing a space for. And Mackenzie will talk a lot about that. I uh, will not step over any more of the interview. I will just let it speak for itself. Without further ado, here is interior design. Mackenzie, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely. So before we talk about what you do and a lot of the things that go through your head when you are doing interior design, mm-hmm. I would love to know what goes through your head when you just walk into a space, period. Yeah. Like I would imagine you notice a lot more things and think a lot more things than myself or than the average person when you come into a space like you were just noticing the art mm-hmm. on my walls and everything yeah. and I'm like oh damn is she like judging me right no, now it's rad. But, I like it. <laughs> it's so talk to us about the things that you notice when you go into a space and what kind of makes you feel good or weird yeah. or whatever well I mean I I definitely notice a lot of details in the space. A lot of times I'll sit in a space and I'll price out what it costs. Um, you know, so if I go to any of the Fox concepts, I'll start pricing how much the fabric is and, you know, how much, um, you know, their window treatments were. And that so kind Fox of concepts so, are some restaurants. Yeah, those are Phoenix. local Phoenix restaurants that yeah. spend a lot of, mon- of money on their budget. <laughs> so I'm always just like, wow, that's a $150,000 banquette, you know, so, um, so how that. How do you know? How can you tell uh, if something is like a, a genuine expensive version of something or if it's like something they bought it at Ikea? Well, it's what I look at all day. So I can kind of, you know, I kind of get to see it all day, every day and I get to see all the new products as they come out. And so I have a sense of, of what's real and what's fake. And, you know, I don't worry too much about that, but, um, I like to see a, a high quality product sometimes. So, yeah. so that, and then, I mean, for me, I just, I'm a sucker for light. So I love good light. Anything with a lot of natural daylight is going to make me happy. Um, I love like intelligent use of color. So, um, you know, just, I notice color and light mostly, I think I would say is what, what's most important to me. Um, and also just functionality and flow and, and scale. And so I'm just kind of taking notes of all the different kind of design fundamentals as I go. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Other than lights and it, which man is something I did not fully appreciate. I don't feel like until I moved here, mm-hmm. uh, like, as you saw, when you came in, like the house that, that I live in now, uh, doesn't have like a lot of windows. So mm-hmm. the natural light thing is like painful. Like I, yeah. I didn't, I truly did not appreciate that until I moved into a place that doesn't have a lot of mm-hmm. natural light because you can't 
really recreate that. Mm-hmm. Like you try really hard yeah. with lights and you're just like, this isn't the same. Like natural, it's not yeah, natural light and views make a big difference. And I don't know if you've noticed, but like when people come into a space, if you've got a room that has good light and a room that has no windows, people will always gravitate toward the window, like in any really? space, whether it's a restaurant or um, if you look at, um, you know, a restaurant that has a, a wall of windows, people are always going to want to be seated at the windows. So just kind of us as humans, we want to be able to see out. Damn, so. that's so interesting. Um, so what sorts of other things beyond light and, uh, and colors would you say, uh, like make you feel good when mm-hmm. you go into a space, like in the way that maybe things are spaced out or anything Yeah. Like that? So, I mean, I think for me, functionality is always like the most important thing. So we start all of our designs just by focusing on functionality first. So it has to function or it doesn't work, you know? So, so that's the first and most important thing. Um, but beyond that, um, I'm a very tactile person too. So textures, um, for anything that's going to be touching skin. So say if it's, um, upholstery or sheets or window treatments, anything that you actually have to touch, you know, I want it to be a really nice, um, feeling a nice, you know, a nice, have a nice hand to it. So, um, yeah, so that's important to me. Um, and color. I mean, I could, I'm passionate about color. Um, I think there are really intelligent ways to use color. And I think color is kind of, um, the place where amateurs kind of make the biggest mistakes too. So that's kind of the, the tell all for any space is, um, how people have handled color. So just because they sell purple paint doesn't mean that anyone should ever buy it. So yeah, yeah, that (laughs) it's man, it's so, it's so hard for somebody that doesn't have education in design or art. Mm -hmm. Um, or doesn't have like a lot of real world experience with it, like mm-hmm. you do, I feel like to be able to do those things correctly, mm-hmm. because so much of the time when I uh, think of an idea in my head, I'm like, oh, I think that would be really cool. Mm-hmm. And then I do it and I'm like, that looks like crap. Like that like could not <laughs> look execution. worse. Like why is it not good? Yeah. I don't know. Like uh-huh. it sounded like it would be so cool to have gold trim hanging from the ceiling or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, oh no, that looks awful. Yeah. And I, and then whenever you go into a space it, where it feels right, it just like the colors that mm-hmm. is feel right. Like it just feels right. It doesn't matter like how different they are, how the same they are or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least that's, that's like my perception of it. Mm-hmm. Are there any like principles with color palettes that you think, uh, do make people just like feel good? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I could talk for the whole podcast just about that. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, for like any professional interior designer is going to have a mastery of color theory as a science. Um, and so you're, I mean, you're studying the color wheel and the ways the different colors work together and you're looking at different saturations and different hues. And I mean, there's a million different variables to color that make it either work or not work. Um, my kind of fail proof advice to most clients who don't have a degree in design is to just find something that already exists in the natural world that you love. So whether it's a shirt that you wear or a pillow that you found or this photo from your travels to India, like whatever it is. Um, and just kind of look to that for the color inspiration. Look at what's God, already there. That's such a good idea. Yeah. And then just recreate it in your space. And the, to do that though, you have to have some control and you have to be able to look at your space and say, okay, well this thing that I have already doesn't suit that and get rid of it. So what's not in the space is as important as what is in the space when it comes to color. Yeah. That's really interesting. So that makes me think a lot of this, uh, I guess you would call it a documentary. I assume you've probably seen it. My wife uh, made me watch it yesterday, and I'm so happy <laughs> that she did that. Um, you know the show Abstract on Netflix? Yeah. Uh, and then the like the episode that we watched was with the interior designer, whose mm-hmm. name is Ilsa Crawford, who mm-hmm. I'm sure you know. Yeah. Um, and she, that woman was amazing. Mm-hmm. And something that she does about halfway through the episode, she's going over the design that she did, the interior design that she did for this uh, uh whatchamacallit, like a, like a premium club for an airline, Mm -hmm. uh, for people that are, that are at the airport. And 
she's going over the uh, materials that she used and everything. And she's almost uh, like sitting there for the camera and like recreating, I, I guess probably her, like the way that she was like coming up with this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it seems so intelligent and interesting to me. She was talking about them, like using different, like you, you've already spoken about uh, wanting things to feel differently, like some mm-hmm. things being smooth or some things, be, you know, having like good tactile sensations when you mm-hmm. feel things. She was talking about that mixed with colors, mixed with the, you know, the different emotions that these different uh, sorts of things, like how nice they were would evoke in someone. Mm-hmm. And she was laying all these different like pieces of material and different colors out on this board in front of her. And then she, like at the end, she like topped it off with just like a single leaf and just set that down on top of one of the things. So if you picture like, uh, I don't know, maybe like a two foot by two foot like piece of something. And then she's setting down all these different like here's like a Mm -hmm. a little six inch by six inch piece of green slate. And then here's a piece of this. And then she just sets them all down next to each other on the board and then sets the leaf down. And then she like nods at it like like, yeah, like Mm -hmm. that looks right. Like that feels right. And it's just like this cluster of Uh of things on this other thing and yet you can look at that and be like okay i now i know that all these things go together and you feel something because i mean it's basically designed as a visual language so it's as a designer i know that this mahogany is going to make you feel luxurious and it's going to make you feel wealthy and you know maybe this like casual linen is going to make you feel like you are you know on the beach in greece and so everything kind of has an emotional attachment to it and so kind of understanding what that means and how to manipulate all of that to um create an experience for someone um it's it's what we study so yeah it's so crazy like i i it's so interesting talking to you right now and I, and again like i'm so happy that i watched that so i had any sort yeah. of preface or background for this because i've never considered the fact that this is something that interior design people do right like i think most people are <laughs> most just people like don't. and like me it's like yeah. oh like you have a good eye mm-hmm. like you know you make pretty so you make pretty that. things yeah. you know and consider like what you just said like oh linen might make you feel like you're on like a beach vacation in mm-hmm. italy or something it's like yeah like that is a feel like because so much of when you walk into a room is a sort of like je ne sais quoi that it's like I don't know what is ha- I don't know what's happening mm-hmm. right now but I know that I yeah. feel a certain way mm-hmm. um, and you're not gonna say that out loud to the person you're probably not even saying it to yourself at all really you might not you know? realize you just, it you just feel better in the space yeah you know and yeah. you just think you're in a good mood that day and that's great that's the goal the goal I think good design shouldn't shout at you and say like you love our design like you should walk into a space and just just feel good or feel whatever you're supposed to feel so if you know maybe if it's a club you feel energized or if it's you know a restaurant you feel sophisticated but you want whatever the client is looking for you know we just try to help the um the user feel that way when they walk into the space yeah so, for sure yeah so you mentioned the the whole thing of like taking inspiration maybe from a, like a photo that you've mm-hmm. seen or like a place you've been or, yeah. or something or, or nature outside that like it's not even um, you're not looking at an interior whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It's just like I like the way that this picture of Yosemite makes me feel. Let me maybe try to recreate some of those colors within my own house. Mm-hmm. Um is that something that you do often like as a professional or is that yeah. like a technique for people like me? No, not at all. That? So, um, no, that's very much what I, what I love to do. So, um, I think in finding your own style and I think a lot of the people who call us, you know, looking for help, um, they feel like they're supposed to fit into one specific style that already exists in the world. So they're supposed to be, well, I don't know if I'm traditional or if I'm boho, you know, cause sometimes I like modern things. And so everyone's kind of stressed out and trying to fit into a box. And so what we like to do is just, 
just kind of ignore that entire situation. So for me, I want you to find your style and whatever that is. So it doesn't fit in any boxes. It's just about your life and your experiences and what inspires you and what makes you feel joy. Um, and so we try to dig that out. So when I meet with a client for the first time, um, I like to find out about their lifestyle. So what they're doing in the space, you know, if they're entertaining or if they're working out in the space, like what, what they do there. Um, and then I want to find out who they are. So what inspires them? Where have they traveled? Um, my favorite thing to do is to design a space around a song. So I might ask a client, you know, what is there a song that you know or that you love that, you know, when you hear it, it gives you the same feeling that you want to feel when you wake up in the morning or when you come home from work. Um, and so wow, if they can give me that, so interesting. I can design a space that feels like that. So for me, it's all, it's all about how you feel. That's it. That's just so great. And that's so like next level. So when people come to you, mm -hmm. I would imagine that oftentimes they are drawn to lots of things. Like they're drawn to everything. Um, I guess, how do you, how do you circumvent that? Because you can't, you can't just give someone everything, right? Or can you, I don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, they're definitely not going to get everything because if they did it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't work together. So, um, I think it's just about uh, identifying what it is that they identify or that they are attracted to most and what they're drawn to most. Um, and so what I like to do is just kind of, um, again, get inspiration from those travel photos or from, um, the throw pillows that they found, or sometimes they'll have a Pinterest board with rooms that they like. And so I'll look at, you know, 30 or 40 rooms that they like that could be all different. Um, but oftentimes they'll have like key elements, um, that are consistent throughout. So maybe they all have great light or maybe they all have white walls. Um, and we can kind of pull out those key elements and then develop something that's specific to them. Um, so it doesn't necessarily have to subscribe to any of those, um, already existing styles. Yeah, for sure. Is there, as you're designing a place for somebody, I guess maybe go over the whole, you already went over mm -hmm. some of like the interview process, but maybe mm -hmm. go over more of the process in depth because I would love to know, like, I guess maybe what the check-in points are with the mm -hmm. client to like sure. keep on making sure that things are going well mm -hmm. so that you don't just like deliver something to them and they're like, oh, this isn't like what I thought it would be. Yeah. So all of our design services are tailored to each customer, um, each client. So um, they're specific to that client. However, we have an exact process. It's scientific. We go through it every single time, um, whether it's a tiny one week project or a two year, you know, commercial remodel. So, um, we go through the same process. Uh, first we start with a meeting. Um, we kind of get the ideas for the project and talk to the client about what they need functionally. Um, and then from there we measure the space and we put it into AutoCAD. Um, and so that gives us, um, you know, the layout of the space. Um, and then we start doing some concept development. So some initial just kind of what colors are we looking for? What kind of, you know, forms are we considering? And we kind of just get like a general idea for the space. Um, Question to mm -hmm. get to get little things like that, yeah. like colors are we looking for? Do you ever just ask the person outright or you always mm -hmm. ask them like indirect questions like, Not hey, which of these photos do you like? Or, yeah, you know? um, I do want to know if they have a color they hate. You know, if somebody hates brown, and they've always hated brown. I'm not going to put brown in their space. So um, or I always ask people what color they wear the most because I want them to look good in their space. And I assume if they're wearing a color a lot, they look good in it. So, you know, if they wear nothing but black, then I'm going to put black in their space because they like it. So. Um, so, yeah, so I ask I ask people what they wear more so because most people, you know, you might say I like blue, but there's. 500 different shades of blue. So, right. um, so yeah, so I'll just kind of get, I just ask kind of questions just to get a feel for it. And, and again, I think it's really about listening to what they say and then translating it into the language of design. So that's what we do in that concept development stage. Um, we just figure out what design elements will, will translate from what they told us. 
Um, so yeah, once we have it in CAD, we figure out the layout of the space. So we create a space plan and where everything will go and how big it will be um, for furniture and furnishings. Um, we figure out any like functional needs that they have at that point. So you know, if they've got kids, they need a landing zone for homework um, or you know, really whatever it is. Um, and then the CAD, uh, once we've completed that layout, then that gives us our shopping list. So that gives us like every single item that we're going to need to complete this design. So we know that we need an 84 inch sofa or a 36 inch coffee table. Um, it tells us everything. So from there, my entire design team, we have a really fun day where we take that shopping list and we just start sourcing and designing. So if it's custom pieces, we'll do those in SketchUp or just start hand sketching, um, designing the pieces that will go in the space. Or most of our projects are mostly retail products. Um, cause we're, um, we try to keep things really affordable for our clients. So a lot of I was going to say where and when and how does budget mm-hmm. come into play? Like yeah. it, it, what, it, what mm-hmm. stage in the process? Yeah. Like obviously once All you get stages. up to this part of mm-hmm. sourcing, it's like really important of mm-hmm. like we're picking out the things yeah. that are going to go in. I imagine it also comes into play beforehand at mm-hmm. some point. Like how would someone's budget impact other aspects of the process? So the budget's going to impact pretty much everything from the services that we provide to the products that actually go in the space. Um, so we have different um, like silver, gold, platinum price points for our services. Um, again, we go through the same process no matter what. It's just kind of a matter of how much handholding we do during the process. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, like we have like flat rate by the room. Uh, there are these kind of like bite-sized DIY plans. Um, so we'll do a DIY plan that's, um, priced by the room and we go through the entire design process, give them, it's basically like a paint by numbers for, um, that's such a good idea Yeah, for design. So they get the entire package, but then we don't buy the stuff. We don't install it. You know, they can do all that. It's, you know, most of the, our clients are pretty sophisticated at this point. We have the internet. They can just Google it on their own. So they don't need us to do that. Um, so, so yeah, so we, um, design the entire space, hand it off to them. And those are our kind of smaller, um, less expensive plans. And then we also do, you know, beyond that, we can then style it for them and order the pieces and manage everything being delivered and installed. Um, that's kind of the next level. And then our kind of bigger um, projects would be like our big commercial projects. So those are people with, you know, big budgets that, that are actually going uh, to redesign some of their space. Mm-hmm, and yeah. Like you could say, Hey, make this area a walkway mm-hmm. versus, you yeah. know, and sometimes they're doing that in that mid level too. So that's maybe a kitchen renovation or bathroom renovation. So um, right, we do that right. through everything, but the budget. So we, we have this, what we call the evil triangle of interior design. So it's budget timeline and quality. And so there's three <laughs> elements called the evil triangle because you can only pick two. Oh, Everybody wants man. all three, but you can only have or have two. So if you're compromised, you know, say you, if budget is important to you and timeline is, is important to you, then the quality is going to suffer. And if, you know, quality is important to you and budget's you know, important to you, then you might have to build the furniture yourself. So, um, there's always a compromise. So it's kind of at the beginning, we figure out where they're most comfortable compromising. Um, and then we design the project around that. So, yeah, I love that. I love that. How does the extent to which, uh, I guess, first of all, how does which like sort of tier and package someone chooses impact what you guys are sort of able to achieve in terms of what you would want to achieve? And then how does the flexibility with a, like you said, like, let's say an industrial space doing like a full blown redesign, like we're just going to trash this whole space. So Mm -hmm. have at it versus somebody that's like, we're not redesigning anything. So all we have is like, help us out with colors and Mm -hmm. plants and you know things on the walls and stuff like that um how much do all these different things like impact what how you feel at the end and how much you're able to like you know get exactly what you want out of the situation yeah um i mean we are able to make huge changes at no at any budget i mean really because you're gonna have a couch you're gonna have paint on your walls. so making the right decision even at that low price point 
helps. So, um, so we can definitely make a big, a big difference at any level. So I, I hardly ever, if ever walk away from a project thinking like, man, I wish we could have done more. Um, because usually we can make a big difference, especially with clients who are willing to, you know, do a little bit of the work themselves. So if they're willing to, you know, repaint their cabinets or repaint the house or, um, you know, a lot of like Pinterest type craft stuff. So if they're willing to kind of get dirty and do some, we can make a huge difference even at that really, really, um, low price point. But um, definitely as we kind of move upstream, those big projects are really fun. Um, we just did a big commercial project last year where it was a huge industrial warehouse that we built into offices. And so they wanted that like Google, you know, startup vibe. So I think I saw this on your website. Oh, cool. It yeah. looks badass. Like, it looks so good. Yeah. So it was cool. It was like a year and a half project that we were able to bring in gosh, I don't even know, maybe 15 to 20 local artists and makers um, to contribute pieces and furniture and um, art for the space. So, I mean, it was it's really, really cool. So we have graffiti in the space and custom furniture and just all kinds of really cool stuff that um, we, we like to invest in, in local in the local economy as much as we possibly can. Yeah. Um, so if it can be made locally, we, we will have it made locally. Um, sometimes that takes more time and a lot more orchestration, um, but that's what we do. So that's the service that we offer for those clients. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and they get a really unique result. So it's fun. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the sort of bridge and crossroads between psychology and design because again this is something i we touched on a little bit already Mm -hmm. but like i didn't consider this at all until watching that documentary (laughs) yesterday that this is like something that it seems like you probably do quite a bit in terms Mm -hmm. of thinking like how someone feels when they get into a space and more importantly like with something like an industrial space is like how they're going to behave like Mm -hmm. when they get into a particular space. Um, Like when you're designing, let's say an office building or a house or whatever it is, do you, I guess, try to consider that a lot? Like how, Mm -hmm. how is this person supposed to be acting when they're here? And we're going to try to design a thing that makes people like to a certain extent, know they're at work. Like, yeah, it looks hip and everything, Mm -hmm. but you should be working while you're here. Like not thinking that you're on vacation. Right. Yeah. I mean, we always think about that. So, um, I don't know if you know, but my first degree is in psychology. So, what? I, yeah. oh. so I have a, a bachelor's in psychology and then I went back to school for interior design after that. So, um, so yeah, so I don't know how designers fu- uh, function without a degree in psychology, honestly, because I use it every day. So, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about how people will behave in a space, particularly for like health and safety reasons. Um, you know, if I'm desi- designing something with like a cantilever- cantilevered roof, like I assume at some point their office Christmas party is going to happen and someone's going to be dancing on it. So I need to make sure that it's sound and secure and that it's not going to fall, you know, um, or the tables, you know, I, I basically, and I also nannied for many years. So I imagine like worst case toddler behavior happening on any furniture that we put into a space or really anything. Um, so we think about whether things are safe in fires, whether they're, you know, safe for just people misusing things because they will. Um, and you have to plan for that in the space. So, um, I definitely have nightmares about things collapsing on people, you know, so we bring in structural engineers, we go above and beyond to make sure everything's safe for everyone. Um, but yeah, so as far as behavior goes, that's usually what I'm thinking about, but then there's the other aspect of just how they feel. Um, so yeah, you do want to set that tone for this as a professional environment. Um, and you can do that with the finishes, um, and with the spacing and, and, um, we can also consider things like making sure people have, um, uh, like noise privacy. So if they're on the phone, do they have a private place to talk? Um, uh, nursing. I mean, there's a million different aspects of daily life that we try to consider and plan into our design. So we think about the people that are going to be there. We make lists of what they might be doing in the space, of issues they might have in the space. Um, and then we try to address that on the front end. So um, before we design anything, we, we plan for all of that. So maybe you could give us a little bit of advice here that'll help us at, at least a little bit, because I feel like I've really been kind of like screwing myself my whole life by not 
considering uh, emotion and feeling when I'm designing. And I shouldn't say, like, I've never, quote unquote, designed a room. Like, it's like, you know, designing a room has, and I imagine this is the way it is for most people, is like, you have the stuff that you bought in college. Maybe at some point later on in life, you you throw out a ton of stuff at once and you buy a ton of stuff at once. Um, And actually, I did that around the time I was like maybe 20 five or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then usually after that point, it's like you swap things out like one piece at mm-hmm. a time, which now as I'm thinking about it is probably like a terrible way to design. No, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, we're definitely not saying anybody should throw everything out because we're all about being sustainable too. Right. So if there's anything you can save or at least have somebody else use, like do that first. For sure. But, um, but so I guess what I'm saying is, first of all, that's not going to exactly have a cohesive feeling, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah. Um, and second of all, as you're doing that, you're just picking in like what I've been doing my whole life is picking out individual things that look cool. Mm-hmm. Like I have this painting in the room next to us that it's just like, that looks really cool to me. I'm going to buy it and stick it on my wall. I, mm-hmm. I know. I think to myself, like, how do I feel like when I'm looking at this painting mm-hmm. and is the way that I feel when I'm looking at that painting, the way that I want people to feel when they're in the room. And is that feeling cohesive with the rest of the room? Um, it's just like, that's cool. It's going to go in that room and that's it. Um, so I guess how do we psychologically check in with ourselves to know, um, I don't know, just give us some tips mm-hmm. to like check in when we're picking things out to uh, design something more with like emotion than just, oh, it looks cool. Yeah. So, I mean, you don't, you don't necessarily have to, you know, start from scratch to have a design space. Um, you can look at what you have that, that does kind of align with, with those values that you want to have in your future space. So, you know, design is basically just having a plan. So um, if you can look at, you know, maybe what you have or what you want to have and figure out what that is and come up with those keywords. So, you know, is it modern? Is it light and airy? What are, what are the things that, um, that they all, the, the things that you like all have in common and then look around your house and see what kind of works with that and, you know, stick with those pieces. Um, and then just continue to add to them over the years. So I think having just a plan to start with, um, you know, is the first step and then just, just add to it as you can. Yeah. What about then growing and changing as a person? Mm-hmm. Like, isn't that... Not allowed. So <laughs> yeah. you have to stay stagnant. That's the key. No. That makes um, sense. That makes yeah, so sense. that's also kind of an easy design trick. So um, I always encourage my clients to buy um, the big expensive pieces, very, very neutral, very, very, like, just pieces that don't subscribe to a specific style. So clean lines, simple forms, simple colors. So, you know... I, I hate to say like go buy the beige couch but go buy the beige couch because you know when you're really into yellow and lime green next month you can put the pillows on there and then in six months when you're like I don't know what I was thinking you know now I think I'm more of like a boho so I want rust and turquoise you know then it's just an easy fix it's pillows it's much less wasteful than getting rid of your entire sofa yeah. or your rug or your window treatments that are expensive um, so buy those big key pieces in neutrals um, with like very neutral shapes and you can pretty much evolve forever um, until those pieces wear out so um, yeah, that's that's the key. What about used, like buying? I used, buy. Or... You know, it's funny because I'm I'm an interior designer, so people always assume that I have this like amazing expensive house or, or something like that. I don't. Um, I love vintage. I love thrift shopping. I love Goodwill. Um, so I would say 98 percent of the things in my house are I'm not the first owner. Wow, that's um, awesome. Because I'm all about sustainability too. So if, if what I need exists out there already, there's no need to build a new product for me to have it. I did invest in a really nice leather couch. That's the only thing I've got when I bought my new house. So, um, but yeah, so I mean, pretty much, and that's how you get a really unique feel too. So, I mean, if you, of course you can go to Crate and Barrel or West Elm um, and get great items. um, And if you need something perfect, go for it. But chances are a thousand of your closest friends are also going to have that same chair. So um, if you want something truly yours, you know, go to Zinnia's or go to some really cool um, 
vintage store that what um, is that zinnias is a local uh it's okay. my favorite vintage store here cool. in phoenix so um but yeah so i mean just go there and, and get something that's totally uniquely you that your friends won't have okay so let's do the psychological check-in piece so let's say mm-hmm. we go to a cool because i feel like that would almost make it more difficult it's if you're shopping right? at a vintage yeah. store or especially like a goodwill or something like that mm-hmm. where something's just like oh that's funky that's cool like i should yeah. buy it because it's cool mm-hmm. And how, when we're looking at something that's just quote unquote cool, do we know, like, is this going to fit with my other stuff? Is this going to fit with this vibe that I want? Because mm-hmm. maybe it, it sounds like that's like an easy thing to answer for yourself, but I don't, I don't know. It's so. not easy at all. Um, but I think again, people are trying that people put a lot of pressure. It's funny. Like with my background in psychology, like a lot of times I have to be like, Hey, settle down. Like you're not marrying <laughs> this piece. Like you don't have any commitment to it. Like you can take it home from the vintage store. And if you decide tomorrow you don't like it take it back to the vintage store or take it back to Goodwill or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, so you don't, it doesn't have to be like a make it or break it thing. But um, I think the way to kind of know for sure if some if a piece is for you um, is, again, to have that plan. So um, for me, what we do is, you know, like I said, we, we plan the space. We know how big the sofa is that we need. We know how big the coffee table is that we need. We measure, you know, how big the rug has to be. We know our exact shopping list of what we need. So then when you go out and start looking at products, um, you might fall in love with this chair and it's so cool, but you know that you need a 36 inch chair and this chair is 42 and you know that you need a neutral chair so that you have it for 20 years and this chair is purple. So, um, you will then be able to be like, no, this is just me getting excited about this weird chair. So, um, which is fine. You know, take a picture of it, put it on Instagram, move on with your life. Don't take it home. So yeah. God, I like need. I need you to be like the good angel on my shoulder, like <laughs> saying stuff like that. Cause I always just buy stuff when I'm like, Oh my God, that's so cool. I need it right now. Like yeah. whether that's, you know, we stuff for do. the house or anywhere yeah. else, you know? Um, and it's not a good fit. But often. sometimes that's so cool. Like, I mean, my house, um, I think what makes it cool and what people like when they come in is that it's all just weird. And so I think, you know, design should have a reflection of who you are. You know, and for me, like I like dad jokes. I'm cheesy, and so when you come in my house, you're gonna see stuff like that. That's just kind of silly and funny, and um, and I wouldn't be able to find that at West Elm or Crate and Barrel. So yeah, um, so that's definitely gonna come from the vintage store from Goodwill. How do you know when you're looking at stuff? Like, I think one of my favorite things when I'm at someone's house is if they have like. I guess the things you're talking about, like things that are super unique, one off, probably vintage. Um, have like a ton of character to them. They're maybe like funny in some way and are usually almost like pushing some sort of like design boundary or something. Mm -hmm. How do you know when you're looking at something, if it's like going over the line and like pushing it too far or something Mm -hmm. like every now and then you'll go in someone like this is going to be, this is a a made up example that that makes no sense. But like, let's say you walk into someone's house and over by their fireplace, they have like, uh, Barbie doll heads like hanging there and it looks like awesome you know which that would look terrible but let's say they had it and it looked amazing and you're yeah. just like wow like you pulled off the Barbie doll head thing like very impressive you uh-huh. know yeah. and that's so cool and or you could just look like a serial killer because mm-hmm. you put Barbie doll heads by your fireplace and it's those things I feel like they go right up to that line of like wow that's a really interesting choice mm-hmm. that are the best choices um, and yet I feel like could go wrong like really easily because it's like, wow, you should not have like done yeah. that. Well, I think that's where you have to kind of count on your friends. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> you can, it's the same as fashion. You know, you can ride the edge and the edge is where the cool stuff is, yeah. um, but it can also go wrong fast. So, I mean, I luckily have friends who I can call up and be like, hey, is this horrible or awesome? You know, and then they'll help me out and they're like, oh, that's horrible. I'm like, all right, no. And then another friend might say that, that's awesome. So I think just being true to yourself, yeah. um, you know, it is a lot like fashion. So you're just expressing yourself. That's all design is. 
um, I think a key element to kind of making things work is editing what's around it. So, you know, say if you've got that Barbie doll head thing, you know, that, that you really believe in and you think it's a great thing, editing what around it, editing what's around it to support that um, and to kind of make it shine helps. You know, if that's in a super cluttered room that's, you know, dirty and has stacks of papers and books and, you know, isn't organized, you're going to kind of look like a serial killer. Yeah. But if it's in this sleek modern room where everything else is sophisticated and you've done this juxtaposition of crazy, you know, pushing the envelope and then also like this really sleek classic design, maybe it works. So kind of just knowing what to put around it. Do you have any rules or advice in terms of juxtaposition versus sameness? Because I feel like Mm -hmm. if you juxtapose too many things, then it looks chaotic and crazy. Mm -hmm. If everything's too much the same, then it just looks flat and boring. Um, Do you have any rules in terms of how many things to maybe try and juxtapose? And what are the best things to try to juxtapose? Like, is Mm -hmm. it like uh, the couch should be plain and maybe the picture on the wall should juxtapose it Mm -hmm. or sure like get a purple furry couch and like that could be your juxtaposing thing so when you're starting the design process when you're thinking about what you want to put in the space um think about what the features of the space are going to be so where do you want your eye to go when you walk in the room so generally speaking i say pick three features so maybe you have a great view and that's one of the features maybe you have like this really cool you know stone fireplace and that's a feature um so maybe pick one you know say you need one more feature. So what's that going to be? Maybe a really cool art piece. Um, so I think generally speaking, about three visual places for your eye to rest in a space uh, makes sense. Um, but I'm definitely one to create rules and then break them. So don't quote me on that. But um, but yeah, so that's a, a general rule. Like pick, pick key features that you want. So um, and then as far as what to juxtapose, um, I mean, really, it's all just about feeling. So again, just expressing yourself and figuring out, um, you know, what feels good to you and don't be afraid to try things. And if it doesn't work, like goodwill's right down the street. So yeah. um, how you were saying though, picking mm-hmm. like maybe three key features, mm-hmm. should those three key features be matched up or should, could those be like different and kind of like hold their own? Yeah. So, I mean, um, it really just depends what you're going for. So, um, so I think, um, kind of creating like a manifesto for where you want to go and having a plan is is the first step. So, and then as you're getting these ideas and as you're like, maybe I need four features, just see if they line up with that original plan that you had. So, um, like I said, figure out where you want things to go, um, how you want it to feel, you know, if there's colors that you want to stick to, that specific color scheme. Um, make a make a plan and then identify the keywords that you want to stick to. So I want it to be clean lines. I want it to be light and airy. I want it to be, you know, relaxing. And then as um, as you're picking specific pieces, ask yourself if, if it meets all of those requirements. And if it doesn't, don't bring it in the space. Okay. Um, as you are, let's, let's get back to the, the work that you do. Mm-hmm. As you're designing a space. So let's, let's take a, a, a place doing a complete redesign. Mm-hmm. Like, um, or like a new home build or something like that. Um, what is the order that you go in in terms of design? Would it be like structural elements first, then the largest pieces of furniture, then accents? Or, or is it just like whatever jumps out to you? Like what order do you go in? We are super, super scientific about this process. So for me, it's dominoes. So one can't happen without the other one happening first. Um, and say if we get halfway down the process and something changes, we usually have to go back to the beginning and kind of start again. So the first thing that we um, focus on is uh, the actual layout of the space. So physically 
physically where things are going, how big they are, um, how the space actually physically works out. So we do that in AutoCAD um, and we come up with a plan that way. Um, and then from there we develop the concept. So that's kind of the color scheme and the textures and kind of the, the story of the space. Um, and we put a lot of work into that. Um, and then we kind of marry the two by starting to source and design product uh, that will go in the space. So um, so we're looking for things that meet the physical features and you know the design concept of the space. And so then we start sourcing everything. Um, and then at that point, once we kind of have a good idea where we're heading, we'll put together a what we call a teaser image to send to the client. So that'll have um, some of the key pieces and it'll have um, a description of what the story of the space is. So this is what we're going for, this is what we're trying to achieve, and this is how we're doing it. Um, and then they have a chance to give us feedback um, so they can say, oh, not feeling the couch or love the colors, you know, whatever whatever feedback they have for us. So then we kind of readjust um, and then continue on with the process. So uh, by the end of the process, we have a fully developed um, space la- layout in AutoCAD. Um, and then we also do like a concept page, which will be a huge piece of paper that has pictures of every product that's going in the space all in one sheet. So you can see everything together. Um, and then we also have this huge running spreadsheet of every single item that goes in the space. So how much it is, what color it is, what size it is, how much shipping will be. So before they buy anything, um, we add all of that up and you have the exact dollar amount for um, how much uh, the product for the um, project will be. Um, And then the client can commit to that. So, and we, we design that to the client's budget. So, you know, at the beginning of the project, they give us a budget and we make sure that all of this fits into that. Um, and we also do renderings, like 3D visualizations or SketchUp renderings um, to help clients visualize. So if they're knocking out walls or building a new kitchen, um, a lot of times it helps to see that visually first. So we'll create renderings for them to be able to walk through, and then we can adjust those as we go as well. So, How um, tied are you to rules when working with a budget? Like, I guess I would mm-hmm. wonder if you, if let's say a person has a budget of $100,000 mm-hmm. and you find the these numbers aren't going to make sense at all, but (laughs) you find the greatest sofa on the face of the planet. Like it's like amazing. And you know that it would fit in this house. So, so, so well, and it is $60,000. So it's 60% of the whole budget. Mm -hmm. Are you in your head? Like I, that has to happen because that is going to like make this entire space. We will go ahead and make the rest of everything for the remaining 40 grand. Or are you like, we can't do this thing like like each piece needs to take up a particular amount of the budget so i think um why designers are able to achieve a lot is because we are a little bit flexible in that so um Basically, for me, the, the, the total budget, the all-in, so say if you're $100,000, that to me is a very real number. I will not spend $100,001. So um, I will stay within that that total budget. Um, and I, of course, wouldn't do the $60,000 couch because I want to make sure that all my clients' needs are met. Um, so yeah, so I definitely have an idea in my head of how much of the budget each product is going to be. Um, but if I do find that key piece that's perfect, um, I'll look for ways to save in other areas. So, mm-hmm. you know, if we find that perfect sofa, but it's $5,000 more than we want to spend, maybe we can do a less expensive rug and, you know, skip this custom art piece that we were planning to do mm-hmm. um, and kind of make trade-offs that way. But um, but I do try to... You wouldn't do it for like mm-hmm. five-fold what the sofa was supposed no, to No, no. I mean, I, I, again, never say never, but I, right. I doubt it very much. Um, but I think having that flexibility is why we're able to achieve that. A lot of people just have it set in their mind what they're going to spend on things. And so, you know, if I say, okay, here's this $5,000 rug, it's perfect for your space. It's the exact right size, the exact right color. Clients are like, I would never spend 5,000 on a rug, you know, but if we're able to, you know, still stay within that exact $100,000 budget, why not? Why not invest in a great rug and, you know, we can save money elsewhere. So having that flexibility does help you achieve a lot more. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, 
Let's switch gears a little bit. Cool. What are some of like the most common design mistakes that you see people oh, making in their houses? So many. Um, I would say, <laughs> um, and I don't mean that judgmentally. I just, I mean, um, I want to help. I'm here to help. Um, yeah. So I think color is the big thing that people just get it wrong. And I know that everyone's trying to be expressive. And um, I don't know if Bear got like and Sherwin-Williams all got together and decided that like they were going to make all these crazy paint colors and that people would buy them. And I think people just get overwhelmed when they get to the paint store and they see all the colors because there are a lot of options. Um, but like I said, just because they make purple paint or hot pink paint doesn't mean that you should ever put it on your walls. Yeah. So um, I think colors, probably the biggest mistake that I see is just too much color, too many colors, colors that don't jive together, maybe too intense of colors. People will pair a lot of warm colors together and that tends to really energize a space um, where I tend to, if I'm using a warm color, I'll balance it with a cool color um, to make sure that it doesn't get you too excited. Unless you want that, you know, if it's a breakfast joint, let's make it yellow. But um, most people in their house, they want to feel relaxed and they want to be able to to kind of have a sense of serenity when they come home. Um, And that's really difficult to achieve with say a yellow wall or a red wall. Um, So Generally speaking, I almost always recommend whites and grays and taupes for the walls, um, which I know is kind of boring, but that gives you the opportunity to have really amazing art and pillows and you can kind of layer in color. And also it gives you flexibility to layer, you know, pull the color out when you change your mind. So I have Tupperware bins of um, different seasonal uh, decor that I use. So oh, that's great. Um, cause I'm a little bit obsessed. So I have, you know, like my, my fall stuff is like these cozy, warm colors, you know? And so I have a neutral sofa and white walls. And so when I change it out, it's seamless and I don't have to spend much money to get a totally new look. That is such an amazing idea for so many reasons, like not the least of which you get bored in your place. And mm-hmm. like, that's, I think why a lot of people go shopping and spend money that they don't need to spend is mm-hmm. because you're just freaking bored, you yeah. know, whether that be your clothes or your house or whatever it is. And, uh, to have your decor getting changed up every like three months or so has got to be so nice. It's fun. Yeah. So. That's really cool. What, uh, what are some other mistakes people make? Um, scale. So you'll see pieces that are either too big or too small for a space. Um, so I think really you have to think about functionality. So what we do when we, when we design a space is we figure out how people are moving through the space first. So if you're designing a family room, for example, when people are approaching the couch, where are they coming from? And when they're, you know, they have to get up and walk to the TV, um, you know, what's that path look like? So just making sure there's kind of clear spaces. Um, and then I think a lot of people get nervous and go too small with their furniture. Um, so, you know, for example, I don't like to have um, awkward spaces on the ends of any furniture. So say if you've got a console or a sofa on a wall, um, I like to go as big as possible with that piece uh, because it fills the space. And then if you don't fill the space, you just get this awkward little square on the end that everyone puts a plant in. So mm-hmm. it's like kind of a joke in my firm, like, you know, well, what are you going to do with that? We'll just put a plant in it, you know, because that's that's the put a bird on it of yeah, design. So, totally. um, But yeah, so I mean, you want to avoid awkward spaces. So make things as big as they possibly can go um, while still allowing for really flea, uh, free-flowing traffic around it. So, Are there any recommendations that you would make for non-homeowners when it comes to mm-hmm some of these recommendations because yeah i mean unfortunately like so much of the time when people are considering design if you're not a homeowner you're just like damn it i wish i was Mm -hmm. a homeowner because i want to paint this or i want to do this and a lot of the recommendations you're making furniture wise too it's like um if you're if you're moving every year or two to a new spot like i have this kitchen table out there that i love and uh some of my places it's like barely barely fit into the place in other places like it fits perfectly in Mm -hmm. other places it's almost uh too small or you know whatever it is um do you recommend 
I guess if you don't own a place that maybe people do shop used and then they could switch things out or yeah. just, ma- I, yeah, how do you make it work? Well, I have a lot of experience with this. I'm 34 and I just bought my first place. So I rented for many, many years. So I've, I've definitely been through all of that. So, um, buy pieces that are flexible. So like, for example, a sectional sofa, you can always pull pieces out and, you know, not use them for this house and, you know, put them back in for the next place. Um, I'm a, I've always had a storage unit, so I guess that's part of being a designer is I have extra pieces to, yeah, to, for sure. to put in. But, um, but anyways, I mean, just getting pieces that are flexible. Um, and I guess it would be the opposite of what I said earlier, which would be kind of erring on the side of smaller scale. So um, that way they have the flexibility to fit in different places with you. Um, and buying pieces that you're not married to. So yeah, don't buy the $10,000 couch if you're, if you're renting and, you know, might be moving to a different place soon. So, you know, get, uh, a vintage couch, which I, I, you know, have the perfectly, this 1960s bright yellow vintage couch that has gone uh, a few places with me because it's, you know, it's scaled properly for my tiny rentals that I've lived in, in Chicago. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, all right. I'm going to jump way over in a different direction. And I want to go back to something that you said at like the very, very, very beginning of the interview, mm-hmm. which was that sometimes you ask people to pick out a song. Yeah. Um, I would love to know, like what the hell you do? Like, what, <laughs> yeah. like if someone gives you a song, like how do you then translate a song into uh, like design? Well, for me, I'm, I'm a big music person. I always have been. Um, so I, I love indie music and I grew up playing viola. So for me, music is an expressive thing. And so for me, I think song, like songs just have specific sounds that I can translate into um, forms and shapes and textures. And so, um, you know, for example, like Jack Johnson, like I can tell you what that's going to look like, you know, it's going to be breezy. It's going to be, it's going to look like, you know, this perfect little Hawaiian oasis that's, you know, not necessarily themey, but you know, it's got these certain elements. It's light and airy. It's got, you know, a lot of natural tones in it. It's going to have a a vibe to it. Um, where say if you picked like a really cool, like, you know, electronic song, it might be darker colors. It might be a little moodier. It might be something different. So for me, when I hear a song, it just has a feel to it. It's either, you know, it has a brightness or a darkness or kind of it's exciting or it's relaxing. And so those words just kind of all translate into design features that I can incorporate. So, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So that's gotta be really interesting. Do I sound nuts? That's no, nuts. <laughs> you don't sound nuts at all. It just makes me think like the same way that people listen to different music, depending on what mood they're currently mm-hmm. in. Yeah. Um, that's got to be a difficult thing when you're trying to design a home. Like, do I want to go for a relaxed vibe? Do I want to go for a vibe where like mm-hmm. I feel energized? Yeah. And like, if it's me, it's like, well, I want to feel energized from the hours of like mm-hmm. th- when I wake up in the morning until yeah. you know, and you can five build o'clock in and then I want to be feel relaxed after that. Yeah. How do you, how do you do that? You can build in that flexibility. So um, like for me, I'm a morning person. So I like my bedroom to be like bright white, have light flowing in in the morning. Um, but I also have the option in the evening, like, you know, when it's dark, I can turn my fireplace on and ha- dim my my lights. And so the space can have different feels th- uh, feelings throughout the day um, and different vibes. Um, so it's just kind of planning for it. So just knowing what you want to feel in the space. Yeah. Um, but I think overall, uh, you do kind of have to commit to uh, to something. So just, again, it's just kind of that plan. What is your plan? Is your plan to be um, inspired or energized or relaxed? You know, do you have a stressful job? You might want to come home and be relaxed. Or, you know, if you... Um, you know, are bored all day, you might want to come home and feel energized. So just kind of figuring out what you want to feel in your space. Um, and you can plan for that. Yeah. We just recently swapped out the bulbs in our bedroom and the living room with mm-hmm. color changing bulbs, like uh-huh. these Philips hue bulbs. And it's so nice. Like in the bedroom, I I've always had like red bulbs, 
um, in like half of the thing for the bedroom, mm-hmm. but then it's not as like bright as you want it during the morning. I mean, you mm-hmm. basically don't even turn those on in the morning, but the, so you only have half of the lights in the room with like regular lights in them. Mm-hmm. So recently I was like, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to get these awesome color changing bulbs. So like everything can just go whatever mm-hmm. color suits the, like the current mood, which is yeah. like super nice to be able mm-hmm. to like in the living room in the evening, like make it like you know, red or mm-hmm. like purple or whatever that just like mellows you out a little bit. Yeah. I love those. I have a room where I like to do my yoga. And so I have a, a, a lamp in there that has a color changing led bulb in it. And it's so nice if I just want to do yoga in a pink light, like it's super relaxing and yeah. it's nice. So it's crazy mm-hmm. how much like colored light, like changes mm-hmm. the way that you feel like it yeah. changes your mood so much. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's light therapy. I mean, that's, that's a whole different realm of design, but like, I mean, you can control how people feel with, with light that yeah. way. So with colors. So, so I'd love to know if you have any, rules or recommendations for people in terms of plants pictures random crap on the walls because i always wondered like do have i used like too many which it's ironic i'm about to say this because we're sitting in my office which has a ton of pictures on the walls but in other areas of the house i always wondered like have i used too many pictures or paintings should i hang something like put a shelf that has some stuff on it or whatever Mm -hmm. do you try to balance things out in certain amounts and then like you know you should not you should have x number of plants like don't make it like fern gully inside your apartment uh like are there are there rules as far as those things are concerned i'm sure there are um i always start with functionality first so do you need a shelf would be my question if if you need you know a place to put things then have a shelf um if you don't need a shelf then we're just thinking about aesthetics um i like to um so say if you've got a a a wall with a gallery of different um, pieces of art on it. So I like to make that feel like it's a single unit. So whether you have one huge piece of art or, you know, five different frames, you want to make it feel like it's it's kind of a single unit. So you do that by kind of grouping them close together and not letting them float out all over the wall. Um, so I think that's more important as far as like how you're executing it versus how much you're doing. So I would never tell anybody to not, you know, have less plants or have more plants. Like have as many plants as you want to have. Um, so I, it's really just all about figuring out what works for you and, and what your style is and, and what your lifestyle can support. So, um, I like to design a space to function. It's supposed to be like this machine that supports your life. So when you come in the door, you have a place to put your keys. And when you, you know, get out of bed in the morning, you, you know, you have a place to put your coffee. So, um, think about how you move through your day and then just have things in place in your home that support that. So if you're entertaining, you know, have enough seating and have a bar and have whatever you need. So if you watch the big game, make sure there's enough seats facing the TV and maybe have like an extra, you know, a table with bar chairs that you can pull out if you need to. So um, just think about what you're doing in the space all day, every day, and then figure out how your design can support that. It's all so much more logical and awesome than I, then again, than like, I guess I ever would have thought it's like to think how, like, what are the things that I do here and how do I want to function in this space? And then how do I want this space to make me feel and not just like what looks super rad? Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Do you know the difference between a decorator and a designer? Uh, no. Did you think they were the same? Probably. Okay. Most people do think they're the same and they're, they're very different careers. So this is something I talk about with a lot of my clients. Um, so decorators tend to just work on aesthetics and that's it. So the things that look good. So if you're talking, if you're asking about style and you know how things look, a decorator can address that. Yeah. That's what I figured interior designers Um, did my whole life. No. So interior designers, uh, you know, we have a formal education. So most of us have, uh, most of us have gone through either a two or four year program, depending on the state, there's different um, regulations, but, um, and then also we are trained in a million different things. So um, so we know health and safety standards. We know local local building clo- codes. Um, we are familiar with 
different materials and when it's safe to use specific materials, when it's appropriate to use specific materials. Uh, we learn a lot about different systems. So I might know a little bit about plumbing, a little bit about electrical work. Um, so you kind of have this broad understanding of a space. Um, we also study art history and color theory and, you know, a lot of things in school. So uh, we come to the table with a lot of different tools to draw from. Um, so it's not as simple as just like having style. That's so, yeah, that's so great. And that's why it looks so awesome when you design something and it's not just like, oh, it looks pretty cool. That's where you get the things that like feel right as Mm -hmm. opposed to just looking right. Yeah, it's a science. Yeah. So, for sure. Man, so awesome. And with your psych degree, like I can't imagine... I, it, yeah. I use it most with couples who can't agree on what to buy. So, <laughs> like I, I come in when he wants this, she wants this, and they're not speaking. Yeah. So I get to use my psych degree and be like, okay, well, you know, what do you want? What do you want? And then make sure both of their visions are realized. And, yeah. then, and then I save their marriage. How do you? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Do you have a whole bunch of colors just cataloged in your head that you immediately know work well together? Like I'm looking yeah. at your necklace on your shirt, and it's Thanks. like the colors just go so well together. Uh, and mm-hmm. How much does what you do with interior design, I guess, impact things like the way you dress and things like that? I always find myself dressing like projects um, <laughs> as the project progresses and That's I don't even great. realize it. So I'll go to present and I'll be like wearing the exact color scheme of the project. And yeah. it, I just think I get it in my head and get excited about it. And my project manager will too. And so we'll show up wearing the same outfit a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I I get a lot of my inspiration from vintage pieces. So I love looking on Craigslist and vintage shopping because I mean, you find these really unique color com- combinations that people just aren't doing right now. Um, and so I kind of just catalog those in my head. I also love um, vintage Arizona Highway magazines. So I collect those and the photography in those are so amazing and the colors are incredible. So That's so funny. I have some of them yeah. here that uh-huh. I found in a vintage store near my mom's house in California. Awesome. And, I, and I got them to give to my wife's family because they're mm-hmm. from Arizona, but I got like an extra one for us. Like a, they make like the binder ones, you know, mm-hmm. of like a whole bunch of yeah. like in one. Yeah. They're really cool. Really, really cool. Yeah. So I, I use those a lot. Like if I just like for my house, I was struggling because as a designer, like I have so many different ideas, but I was like, this is my house. I get to do it. Like, what am I going to do? And so I settled on, since it's in Arizona and I wanted it to be very authentic and just feel at home where it is. Um, and I'm from the Midwest. So, you know, this Arizona, like I, my biggest fear moving here was like that I was going to get into, you know, Tuscan design or something, which thank goodness I didn't. Yeah. But, um, but anyway, so yeah, I just didn't really know where to settle. So I, what I settled on was that if I could find it in the Arizona Highways magazine, then I would use it in my house. So that's where I got my color inspiration. It's that's such a good idea to start with what you're already given because mm-hmm. so often when you're going for a walk, like in through a neighborhood, all of a sudden there'll just be some like crazy modern home near a bunch of like classic homes mm-hmm. and it just sticks out like a sore thumb. And it's like, that's cool that that's what you wanted, but it's, it doesn't fit right. Yeah. You, you have know? to think about the environment and, and kind of where it's set. And I, I just like everything to feel like it makes sense and like it's supposed to be there and, um, and that it just makes it feel more meaningful that way. Yeah, for sure. I love that. Um, all right. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the education piece and how it is that you become what you are? You, sure. you touched on that a little bit, but go over that a little bit more if anybody listening wants mm-hmm. to try to become an interior designer. Yeah. So um, the actual regulations vary state to state um, uh, based on like who can call themselves an interior designer. Um, but generally speaking, I would recommend getting a two-year degree or um, like an associate's or a bachelor's in interior design um, from an accredited program. Um, and what you'll learn in that is AutoCAD and SketchUp, Photoshop, um, you will learn like basic um, interior design fundamentals that are just critical um, to knowing how to 
approach a space. Um, and then I think the thing that I got most from school, my mom was a decorator growing up. So I kind of thought I could just like be a decorator and she didn't go to school and she's great at it. So that was kind of my plan. But then I just, I felt a little bit, I didn't want to feel insecure. Like, you know, another designer had something on me. So that's why I went to school. Um, but as soon as I did, I was so glad that I did because a, I learned all those programs and ton, I took every art history class that you could take. I took every color theory class that you could take. Um, so I could just really genuinely feel confident about all of it. Um, but I think the biggest thing is in art school, you have to spend all of your time and energy creating, you know, something for a presentation and then everybody just tears it down. Mm. So your professor tears it down, your classmates tear it down. And at first it really stinks. And I think a lot of people quit at that point. But um, but you learn to defend your work and you learn to stand by your work and you learn to believe in your work and you learn to not present something that you don't believe in because you know you won't be able to, to defend it. So um, it really kind of like hones your skill as far as like really knowing what you're doing and, and applying yourself. Um, so so I think that that's probably the most valuable thing I got from school. Question. Yeah. When you were in school, uh-huh. would you be really self-conscious about the outfits that you wore and stuff? Or like, and when you <laughs> when are, are with like a bunch of design, like if a designer comes over to your house or you like, I mean, you talk about like defending yeah. your work and everything. Mm-hmm. I imagine there's a certain piece of like, oh damn, these people are noticing that a lot more than other people are. Yeah. I mean, originally I think definitely when I was in school, I would feel a little insecure um, or when I first started out as a designer, but now I kind of realize that I am a very different brand of interior designer than, than your average interior designer. Um, meaning just that I'm, I don't really care that much about things being expensive or things being fancy or, you know, bragging about like, you know, I drive like a 2006 Burgundy Buick. Like I'm, I'm not like trying to make people think I'm cool. So. That's like, that's <laughs> the perfect not cool car. That's yeah, awesome. It's, there's no, le- like there's, I'm the only person under 60 driving that car. Yeah. So, it's not um, even like, uh, it, it's not even like also ironic and therefore it's mm, cool again. No, it's even. just like legit it's just a really uncool. uncool car. Yeah. <laughs> um, and for like, the last year the two of the doors haven't worked so i have to like climb over one seat to open the door yeah. and you know and that's like so i'm just not somebody who's going to care about expensive things or impressing people um i care about design and i want to do that really well it's like i like to do things that i believe in so i love my house and so i hope that everyone who comes in loves my house and if it's not for them they don't have to live there yeah. so um and same thing with my with my projects for my clients like it what's most important to me is that they love them a lot of times it's not necessarily choices that i would make um but i can coach them through things that work for them and things that make them happy so yeah. that's that's the the end result we're looking for how do you do that when a client comes up with an idea that you think is kind of too weird but they mm-hmm. really want it um if it's something that you would never do yourself how how do you like try to make it better at least in some mm-hmm. way or fit better when it is already really weird like if, yeah. if someone came to you with like i gotta hang these barbie doll heads would you just be like seriously you can't do that or would you be like all right let's like figure out a way to do this the right way then we love taking on challenges that are just weird so that's kind of i think what we're kind of known for in our market is like taking on these weird out of the box challenges um and making them cool so i think that's people are paying us for our opinion so they wouldn't have asked us if they didn't want our opinion so we will give them our opinion but if they're passionate about like achieving this goal we'll figure out a way to help them achieve that goal and make it cool so um and sometimes i mean of course like People will just like things that we don't like. Um, And I'll, you know, maybe present different ideas or different options. But if they're totally married to the idea of this one thing, that's, you know, it's their house. They have to live in it. So I will help them achieve that. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about after school then. So Mm -hmm. you finish up school. Uh, What is like a a path supposed to look like for somebody? Would you always Mm -hmm. recommend that somebody go and work like you? You have your own business now. Would you always recommend that somebody go and work for somebody else before trying to start their own thing? Yeah, I did um, the exact opposite of what you probably should do. So what I would recommend other people doing is the opposite of what I did. (laughs) Um, I ended up starting my business right out of school. Um, And I 
I worked my way. I went to college for nine years with my psych degree and then my interior design degree. So um, I was nannying all the way through it. And so I couldn't, I didn't have the luxury of doing like an unpaid internship, um, which I definitely recommend doing if you can, because that's like so much valuable knowledge. Um, The people who intern with our company, like they get so much from it um, as far as just how the actual business works and how actual projects work. Um, But yeah, so ideally you do an unpaid internship and then um, you graduate and you work for somebody else for a while and then maybe 10 years down the line you make you have some savings in your account and you start a business great um I just graduated when the economy was terrible and so I was like well maybe I'll just put an ad on Craigslist and um so just a freelance and so I did that and I got my first big project and then I got my second big project and then it kind of snowballed and suddenly I had a business um and that's where I've been ever since it's just kind of in this growing business that I didn't really intend to start so you were able to get deals off Craigslist and stuff the first one yeah weird oddly enough and it was one of my biggest projects to date so and I was like you guys know I have no idea what I'm doing right and they're like yeah that's why we like you so I was charging like five dollars an hour and they were like that's the right price so but it was a huge remodel like took six months full-time like um and I got great portfolio images from it so And then they recommended me to all of their doctor friends. And so, yeah, suddenly I had a business. So that's really cool. I would definitely recommend planning your business before you start one. Yeah. If yeah. possible. That, <laughs> so, that makes sense um, for sure. And I also educationally did a kind of backward route. So I already had my bachelor's going into design school. And I knew that I didn't want to work for any of the big corporate firms um, coming out of school, which is what you would really need a bachelor's for. I actually have an, in, an associate's in interior design. So I went to school for five years to get it, though. So I took, um, having already had my bachelor's, which is what I knew people would be looking for, and I did kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure approach. So I took every single class that I was interested in, every class that I wanted to learn about, um, with little regard for the actual program I was in. So um, I took five years' worth of classes um, and ended with an associate. So, um, yeah. Because you already had your bachelor's. So, exactly, yeah. yeah. So I didn't... Um, I just kind of went for it and I was like, I'm going to learn everything I want to learn because, you know, when you go through a program, you kind of have to learn specific things. So totally. what does the pay end up looking like for somebody as an interior designer? Like what would the pay mm-hmm. look like if you were, um, you just graduated, you're like the lowest level person working mm-hmm. for somebody else. What about if you're like a medium to senior level person working for somebody else? And then, uh, what does it kind of look like when you own your own business? Yeah, so it varies a ton. So business to business, it's totally different. So there are huge corporate design firms, say like Gensler, where you know they're offering full benefits packages and great pay um, to people right out of college. And so um, then there's more boutique firms, which offer more flexibility and kind of a hipper environment, but maybe not the same pay or benefits. Um, so it, and it, then you know it, within the boutique firms, there are you know the new ones that are just starting out versus established ones that are doing great and you know paying really well. So it, it varies a ton. So, I mean, my first year out of school, I think I made $13,000. So my dog, what? Yeah. My dog and I were like starving to death. That's like not even minimum wage. Yeah. But I was doing my own thing and didn't have a boss. And so right. Um, right. That was the goal for me. So for me, like I love travel. I love adventure. I love going outside and doing things in nature. So for me, flexibility has always been more valuable than actual money. Totally. Uh, but then after a few years in business, things pick up. Then you can actually have both. So, um, But really, it just varies. So I mean, I would say anything from that $13,000 kind of like intern level all the way through, you know, there are designers out there who are making, you know, $200,000 a year. $500,000, depending on the designer. So, right. you know, there are celebrity designers. So there, it runs the gamut. So it's yeah. really just um, a matter of, there's definitely more money to be made in commercial design. So if you're doing um, commercial spaces, that tends to be more um, lucrative um, versus residential. But um, really, 
it's all over the place. Yeah, it makes sense because A, the jobs are bigger, but B, I imagine so much more often people, you have a quote unquote like blank check, like people mm-hmm. are like, it's okay. Like if it's more money versus with the house, like everyone's so tight. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how much money you have, mm-hmm. like you still want to be tight with it if yeah. it's your own place, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so let's go ahead and finish this thing up with some advice for people. So rather than advice on how to become an interior designer, because I imagine that would be like, go to school, get a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some kind of easy ways that we could spruce up our own house and Mm -hmm. make ourselves feel better in the space that we're living? Yeah. So I think um, paint is the easiest thing that anybody can do. It's inexpensive and it makes a huge difference in how a a place feels. So um, like I said, I love white. Um, If you're, if white's too sterile for you, maybe try like a a taupe or a a gray. So I think paint will be the first thing. Um, and then also just a huge decluttering that doesn't cost anything. So edit what's in your space, um, go through and get rid of things that don't matter. Um, everything in my space means something to me. It's either a memory from my travel or of somebody who, you know, has been a big part of my life. And so everything in my space is meaningful. And I think that that helps, um, keep everything pretty Mm -hmm. minimal. Yeah, for Um, sure. So yeah, I, I would say just edit what's in your space, um, and then control the colors that are in there. So color is very much tied to how we feel in a space. And a lot of people don't really think about it. They've just had this piece forever. They've had that piece forever and they don't care that it doesn't match right. um, or that it doesn't go together. Um, but really be mindful about what's in your space and edit things out that aren't working for you. Um, and it doesn't always have to be this like big emotional sacrifice of getting rid of something. Like if, if you think, what I like to do is kind of empty everything out of everything, put it in the middle of the room and then move back, move back into the space. So you pick the objects up, put them back and what doesn't work put it in a Tupperware bin for a month or two if you don't miss it donate it god that's such a good idea so start Man, fresh you have all of like the best ideas I try I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome well Mackenzie this has been great thank you so much yeah thank you so much for having me this was fun Hey everyone, it's Blake. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. If you did, I would appreciate it so much if you considered leaving a review for the show on iTunes. I swear it'll only take like two minutes. Um, Just search for the show on iTunes, click on it, click on ratings and reviews. You can leave a quick review um, or just uh, keep listening to the show. I appreciate that as well. Or tell a friend about the show or something. And if you have any ideas for the show, if you have a particular job or hobby that you would like to hear interviewed on the show, if you yourself think that you do something interview worthy and you would like to tell the world about what this job or hobby is that you have, head on over to halfhourintern.com. There's a link right there at the top that says submit your ideas and you could submit your ideas for the show, be them uh, somebody else that you would like me to interview, a particular field that you would like to hear about, or even if it is you yourself that would like to come on the show. Thanks so much for listening, you guys.